Welcome to Labor Pains Podcast, brought to you by Women Connect and Support. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am a woman that is very passionate and on a mission to help women and men that are struggling with infertility or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. I am here to help share stories of the struggles that couples have gone through to inspire and give you hope to continue on your journey to have a family to love. I have talked to so many men and women that have all told me the same thing, that they all felt very, very alone as they were going through the struggles and the grief. I want you to know that you are not alone and I am here to connect you to others to give you hope beyond the struggles and the grief. Hello and welcome to the Labor Pain Podcast. I am very honored and excited to have a guest on today that I just met through a mutual friend and I'm excited for all of you to hear her story her journey to have a family. Um, I've gotten a little information from her, so it, it sounds as if she had quite the journey, quite the struggle to have a family. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Nicole. Hi, thanks for having me on. I'm excited sure. to be here and tell my story and, you know, talk to everyone and, you know, try to help some people out. Yeah, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Especially with us women to help each other out, get us through these crazy, one of the toughest things I think in a woman's life is is infertility and struggling with having a family. So uh, tell us a little bit about how how this all started with um, having a family. Did you and your husband decide when you were dating to have a family, obviously we know now you wanted to have a family. Right. So tell us, tell us kind of your story. Give us a little back. I, well, I always wanted to have kids for sure, you know, and in, you know, a series of unfortunate dating events and, you know, even dating in my twenties, I just, you know, I never met anyone. I thought, gosh, I'd love to have kids with them. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I met, um, I was kind of set up on a blind date with my husband, um, Right before um, I turned, I think I had just turned 30 and then he was getting ready to turn 30. So, um, and it was, I was not even wanting to date, but anyway, um, (laughs) after all that dating, it just wasn't good. But um, the blind date set up and actually talking to him and then going on our first date, it was just like within a week I had met his family and it was I think we both kind of just knew, but yeah, I, I, when I, it's like when I fell in love with him, I knew that's who I want to have children with, you know? So. Wow. Well, and I, I think when you're older, you know, maybe in your thirties or whatever, you know exactly what you want. Right. And I thought to myself, you know, like if, you know, we do wish I knew we would probably get married, you know, like, we'll start right away. Cause I'm, you know, I'm no spring. I was no spring chicken, you know, like I thought I would be done having kids before 35. Actually, you know, when you're younger, you think that's it. My goal is to have, 
get married by, you know, 26, have kids by 28. And then that time had came and passed. So yeah, absolutely. And then I met him and I, you know, the rest was history. We were going to get married. And then after that, you know, I was going to finally get off birth control and then Mm -hmm. try to start a family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, just from talking to other women, you know, by 35, uh, you're considered, Oh yeah. A geriatric advanced maternal um, age, and then yeah, and then it be then like every year it's worse and worse, and you're you're yeah you're geriatric, and I'm like geriatric, <laughs> what's that <laughs> like possible? <laughs> so get married, and you need you guys needed to get um, moving on this. Get- so tell us about that. Um, so well, we got married in March of 2011, and in May of 2011, I stopped birth control. I've been taking it for like 17 years, and mm. still had always had you know regular cycles with it and whatnot. And then from like May to October ish, you know, I just kind of tracked, and I mean, spot on, my cycles perfect. Like I couldn't have asked for anything more. So I thought we're great, good, good to go. October 2011, let's get the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Nothing was really happening. Fast forward to, you know, a few months later when you're, you know, start to feel, you know, just a little frustrated because you thought, well, everybody in the movies, you know, <laughs> yeah, they get pregnant <laughs> or I just got off the pill and it happens. My first cycle, you know, all those good things. So I thought, OK, I'll start those, you know, the strips and, you know, just to see when I'm ovulating and then track more and then do all the special stuff joe the every other day the this the, that you know all the stuff that people tell me. yeah yeah and i thought the... well and still nothing was happening we're not getting any younger we had went in and did some testing everything you know seemed to be pretty good and a few months later um of january of 2013 i finally had my f- first positive pregnancy test and i thought this is great. This, you know, amazing. Immediately, it was a chemical. Um, I started bleeding right afterwards. But I thought to myself, this mm. is great. E- even though I was sad, I thought, okay, I can get pregnant. You know, it just took a little while for my body to get straightened out. So, you know, th- it'll be fine. You know, ev- everything will be fine. Uh, well, and I think that people think that, you yep. know, it's like, well, at least, yeah, now I, I know I can get pregnant. Right. You know, Absolutely. so yeah. Okay. So still nothing was happening. So what did we start trying? October of 2011. And it was now February of like 2013. Um, they did that. Everything, you know, checked me again. Everything was clear. And we're like, well, you know, let's start with a fertility doctor, you know, where I'm not getting any younger. So we did our first yeah, first IUI in March of 2013. And it was uh, the old big, big fat negative. You know, when you take your test, you learn all the lingo when you're and in the infertility world. So, yeah. Yeah. That was it. And I thought, really? Like, th- that should be it done deal nope so we're like let's do it again next month geared up take all your medicine I think I was on just Clomid at the first cycle made me feel kind of crazy so we did switch to <laughs> letrozole which I felt less crazy on but I always you know I had always heard kind of crazy stuff about Clomid and yeah it didn't work well with my body so well and it's it's interesting to me just a little <laughs> side note on that 
is uh, so many women have said that. Yes. Like it's so hard on their body and they feel oh, so bad I on felt it. felt worse on Clomid than I felt on any other infertility medicine going forward when we discuss it. Like, and that's saying a lot because I've been on so much medicine. Wow. So I would say to the listeners, if you start experiencing that right away, just switch to something else because I think that's pretty common. I switched to letrozole um, right away and I felt way better and I did not feel like I would say a psychotic person. Like, I mean, I, (laughs) it's just no good. It did not work for my body, but I know, you know, it, it is a good drug though. It does stimulate those ovaries. I will tell you that I know many of women who have had IUIs and have had twins or have had very successful with it and had, you know, one or two pregnancies, you know, and all that. Hmm. So, but that is, that is very common though. It seems to be, um, just through the infertility grapevine that if you do end up getting pregnant, a lot of times on Clomid, it can be multiples because it is in your follicle, you know, so well. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you switched that up. (laughs) I did. (laughs) all feeling much better. Um, we did our next IUI and it was a a negative as well. Then we did another IUI the following month. So that's May and it was a negative as well. And we go again in June, one more IUI and it was negative and it was, I, I needed a break, needed a break for a minute. So, you know, fast forward a few months and November, um, I had, I was peeing on ovulation sticks again and, uh, it was really positive ovulation stick. And I guess after talking to the doctor, he's like, you need to go in. I'm pretty sure that, um, it's more than ovulation. So we went in and I did have, um, I was, I had, was pregnant again on my, um, on my own, I just miraculously out of nowhere again, had a beta, my first beta. Um, and then the second one, which was two days later and it didn't move at all. So they gave me, um, cause you're supposed to double every 24, 48 mm-hmm. hours. Yeah. Um, they gave me progesterone suppositories, had a, a beta again, two days later or a few days later, possibly. And, uh, it was a little bit lower and I was in extreme pain. I ended up in the ER and it was officially diagnosed a chemical pregnancy then. Well, Mm. so. Okay. And I'm not sure um, if everyone knows what they determine, how they determine a chemical pregnancy. Can you give some guidance on that so you know a regular pregnancy progresses and usually they're you know right around six weeks there'll be a heartbeat um with a chemical pregnancy um typically you build a lining and then you you know you're forming but it does you never get to the heartbeat stage you know it you're producing all the hormones and your body's starting to feel pregnant and then you, you know, you start bleeding and you're, you're getting no more tests, positive tests and they drop and everything. So you just don't Mm -hmm. get quite to the stage where it's a full on, um, Oh, what am I, you know, trying to say? Well, and I guess I kind of thought too, maybe it was like part of that was it doesn't actually embed. Right. 
into the Absolutely. uterus. It's just there. So, so you're secreting the hormones the, and your body right. is, and you're coming up with, you know, these small faint positive tests. And, mm-hmm. and then like, for me, it always, I would have a positive and not a few days later, I would start bleeding again, which was because mm-hmm. the only two times that I, they were so far apart and it was on my own, but they were chemicals. So that to me meant something just, gosh, there has to be something wrong, you know, and, but we were seeing nothing, you know, even doing these IUIs, you know, nothing was wrong, quote unquote, wrong with my body. So, yeah. (sighs) So you needed a break. You needed a little break. So you took a little break, which is totally understandable. Right. So how how many IUIs did you have? We did four IUIs at that time. Okay. I've okay. had, um, so we're in 2014 by then in February at SIS performed. And I'm pretty sure that is when they, um, oh, he, I wish I remembered what it stand for. Um, I should have done my <laughs> homework because I wrote, um, you know, have small notes, um, it's basically, it's it, painless. It's an ultrasound. They put a probe. Um, it's like a saline probe infusion, which it hurt way worse than I thought it was going to. Um, but, mm. you know, he did that and everything, just to make sure everything was cleared out. We did um, a little local anesthesia, put me under like a hysteroscopy um, where he went in and checked all the inside lining of my uterus and everything was fine. And that was in March of 2014. So we're like, okay, let's gear up. Now let's do an IUI, but we're going to use injectables this time. Yeah, mm. we're not going to just do p- pills. We thought we'll do injectables, you know, like I'll have better chances. Um, so did all my injectables ready to go? Did our IUI, whatnot. Aunt want want another negative so and it, yeah wow. i was like i have five iuis all negative just i can't we're done we're done with iuis i felt like i wasted money and time and i was gonna yeah. say the financial part of that unless you have insurance that covers that which there are not very many people it seems like that have insurance to cover that it's very expensive right so you're paying for not only you're paying for an IUI each time you're paying for all the medication that you're using for the IUI and then you know with no no success so and he you know my doctor at the time you know this was I had I had, I had gotten an opinion by one doctor. It didn't work out. So we were with this doctor, you know, and bid for quite a while. And he had always said he just wanted us to go straight to IVF. So we thought, okay, you know, fast forward to what now we're in July of 2014, we did our first cycle of IVF and we had 26 eggs retrieved and then 23 survived. And then six of them made it to day five. So feeling Mm. very excited then. It yeah. was a lot. I st- that yeah, yeah, that's a lot. It was a lot to do. Like that was our first time doing it. Like I remember going to an infertility meeting at the beginning of this all, um, a local one, and sitting in a circle and talking to them. And I think I was maybe on my second IUI, and other women were like, "We've had you know five, 
six failed IVF cycles, yada, yada. And I thought to myself, I've got to be mm. kidding. There's no way I'm going to, I will ever do that. Well, I should have ate my words in <laughs> my mind. <laughs> oh, wow. So you mentioned a support group. Where, where um, was that? Can you share that information? Do you Resolve remember? Resolve is the National Infertility Association. And Resolve, um, I've done some stuff with them before. Just um, they've supported different walks with doctors around here. And then they also have, um, if you click on Resolve, the National Infertility website online, it can give you um, local resources so you can reach out to someone, find a support group around here. Um, they tell you everything about National Infertility Week. They help guide you. I mean, I think there's even, they can help you with, you know, maybe getting a grant or a scholarship or something, financial help, or guide you where to get financial help. They've, they really are wonderful. I've do helped donate to them, and they've done a lot for, you know, little spots in all the community of infertility. That sounds like an amazing organization. Great. Amazing. It's very great. So I will make sure that I um, put that website in the show awesome. notes so that if, if women need um, a resource, yeah. um, financial grant or whatever, that sounds amazing yeah. and I mean, that they would do that. They And I know that they can just, they might not themselves give you the, the grant, but they can find you the plate, you know, it can get guide you I guide sure. you in the direction for sure sure yeah. that's awesome awesome so you went uh, so you had connected with them with them so I knew at the that beginning there was a group. Mm -hmm. I did and that was that was very helpful for quite a while I was doing that I was doing acupuncture I was going to I was probably everything that you could think of at the time <laughs> <laughs> but still nothing Still no success. So that's why we decided on the IVF. You okay. Know? So now IVF. And is this still with the same doctor? This is with the same doctor. Okay. Um, I had, and at the time it was, we were really worried at the financial part. And I had so many, um, I'm hairstylist and I have clientele for a long time and they kept asking what they can do. You know, how can they help me? And I reluctantly made a GoFundMe page and, you know, just kind of shared our story and um, a lot of that helped pay for, you know, some of the cycles mm -hmm. um, that we did. And, you know, I can't thank my family and friends and clients enough. The ones that, you know, donated and prayed, you know, that, you know, people are can be really amazing, you know, and kind and generous in in this world. And it's it's blown me away through this journey. So. You know, big shout out to all those people. Wow, yeah, that sure. that's amazing. You know, we every woman needs some a support group. You know, a yeah. support system. Absolutely. And it sounds like yours went above and beyond. You right. know, to the, I mean, the support. I, that's the thing. You know, I go into work and I talk to you know anywhere between four and six to eight people a day, and so I'm constantly reminding and telling myself the same story over and again and so it's repetitious you know the infertility and you know some days I couldn't talk about it some days you know I could you know but it was 
a struggle. I'll tell you that. Mm. But, and, but my clients were amazing. Cause you know, there's, I, ha- I might have to go to a doctor's appointment or I had to move and, you know, and everybody was just great. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So finally we did finally. So then we, um, did our first fresh cycle IVF. So, and we had, you know, you get your first beta and your first positive test and it's like, you're just so excited because this mm-hmm. is like you do IVF, you're going to have a baby and it's amazing. And my betas went up and we got to, um, about 22 days past and we went in for our ultrasound and it was, um, no heartbeat. So it was deemed mm. local pregnancy again. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. It's like just, the same thing is happening every time. Yeah. And I just remember sitting in the doctor's office, like shattered feeling like this was our ticket. You know, IVF is the winner, like supposed to work at that first time, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. So then everybody was like, well, frozen embryo transfers now seem to be good for us, for our bodies. And which, you know, over time now, you know, I do believe that, you know, I feel like it does give you, um, it gives your body some rest after harvesting all those eggs is what I like to say. Mm -hmm. Um, we, you know, we took the frozen embryos, two of them that we had left. Um, we had four and they unfroze the two and, we were getting ready to go in. I do remember this. And they said only um, one of them survived that, you know, do you want to implant just the one? And I thought we talked and we sat in there and we kind of pined over that for a minute. Cause we were like, well, we have two after that, but if we don't, we won't have the two, we would only have one if we unthaw another one now. So we just chose to um, transfer the one and we did. And we had, rising betas and officially a pregnancy at six weeks and two days we had a heartbeat oh wow it was just amazing so i mean we're like the lone ranger made it you know that's kind of what we called it (laughs) yeah took some pic we took pictures of the ultrasound and you know me with the ultrasound i'm like holy cow you know just planning that one you know we finally did it and, um, it was great. So the, he decided that, it, you know, we're going to pass you off to your OBGYN, you know, now you're after you're past the six week mark and, you know, your numbers were rising. So we we're stoked, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I couldn't get in with the OBGYN till um, I was a fit, I was like nine weeks, a little over nine weeks. So it was like December of 2014, um, we went in and, he kept looking at the ultrasound and looking and looking. And he's like, well, I can't really see too much. And it might just be my machine's old. So I'm going to, you know, send you across the hallway. But I knew, I knew something. I knew in the, in my heart, something, something was wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just felt something wasn't right. And we quietly walked across the hall and the ultrasound tech, you know, she's, checked me out and I she's of course not allowed to say anything but she didn't have to say anything you know you're she's doing the ultrasound for an extreme amount of time and 
trying not to say anything, but I could tell that the, the baby had passed, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he called us back in and we were supposed to have been nine weeks, two days, and the baby had passed away at seven weeks and two days. So for two weeks, I wasn't pregnant when I thought I was. Wow. So we were pretty devastated. That was our first of yeah. miscarriage. So. Wow. I just, I just don't even know what to say, you know, so, so difficult, so hard, you know, all of those emotions, you know, getting so excited to finally, after all that you had already been through that now we're going to have a baby and then to learn that the baby was gone. Right. And, you know, since we weren't super far along, the doctor, he gave us, you know, the option of taking the medication to induce, you know, um, you know, miscarriage, mm-hmm. um, or to have a DNC. And, you know, he said, well, if you have the DNC, then, you know, you could have scar tissue and it might not be good for another transfer. And so, you know, I was just going by that. I didn't even think anything else. And, I did, I took the medication and, um, but we had discussed, you know, which looking back on it, I don't know why I said even yes to this at any point that, you know, we would collect the, my, basically collect my miscarriage and take it in for analyzing to see Mm. chromosomal testing. I did. I don't think I, we mentally prepared ourselves for how that that was going to go. And yeah. so the miscarriage, once it started was one of the most awful experiences I've ever gone through and did not think, you know, I didn't, and I, I didn't go to therapy after that, which I should have. I, I don't think my husband was prepared for it, which I just don't think we were prepared for how bad it was going to be on me physically and then having to, you know, retrieve the specimen, you know, which was, you know, the emotional part of that. Absolutely. It was truly horrific. One of the lowest, most horrific points in our infertility journey thus far. Yeah. Yes. See, and I have never heard of anyone doing that. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I think when you're in the hospital, I know they've tested, but I've not heard of someone doing that at home. I, yeah, I. And looking back on it, I'm like, why? Why would? Why did I ever say <sighs> yes to that? Like, what was I? Why did they let me say yes to that? I don't. The whole thing was. Yeah, and even even after all that testing, everything was fine you know, nothing, they found nothing. And I put myself through all that and I continued to, you know, like go through all these emotions for weeks because I bled for weeks and like, I just didn't have the, I just didn't get to, it was like a constant grieving and reminder all the time. Yeah. So what would you recommend for someone else? Uh, uh, Someone that's listening 
to go ahead and do a DNC and worry? I think it has to be something that you and your doctor truly discuss. Sure. Okay. And what, if, what kind of repercussions were, was it so bad because it was my body? I don't know, but I know that it was, I feel like I was a little too far along to have taken the medication to induce it because it, you know, it was just so hard on my body. Mm, mm, so mm, may, in the, okay. I probably would have done that because the mental toll was it, too much, you know, truly. Yeah. I would think it would have been better, you know, even after the cramping and everything started for you to go into the hospital and let them collect yes. yeah. instead of doing that at home. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I understand the testing, which, which is, which is smart, which is needed, but, um, the emotional part, the traumatic part of that, um, it was, yeah, you yeah, I mean, you still, you can tell in your voice that that is still, um, hard to even talk about that. It, that was definitely, it sounds like a very traumatic and hard, um, difficult period through all of this. So, yeah. So let's move on. Let's get past that one. That was a rough that one. That was, yeah. And that was so December of 14. So we waited a little while. And yeah, like yeah, yeah. April yeah. came of 2015, and we decided to do um, all kinds of blood work chromosomal and autoimmune testing, nine vials of blood, including my thyroid. My husband and I both did, but I, wow. I had the nine vials, of course. But <laughs> everything hmm. um, ended up fine after all that crazy expensive testing and I was just kind of at a standstill honestly mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do um in the meantime someone that I knew had contacted me and said you know I don't want to step on your toes you know I don't want to um push anything on you but I do know an amazing doctor who would look over your case and just see if you know they've checked everything and done everything that you feel comfortable that they and and I had already been kind of wavering after having so many IUIs the IVFs the all the emotional part you know that I was maybe kind of ready to move on myself to you know a new doctor and sure I said why you know what why not so (laughs) um I told my husband he was on board we met with this doctor, she, from the jump, was the most amazing person and doctor I had ever met. Like, she was just an impeccable person. Her bedside manner, you name it. I'm just, I can't say enough wonderful things about her. And I thought, even if this woman does not get us pregnant, I she's awesome. She's just and so she looked through all my charts and she said, you know, everything does look good, but I want to order blood work for natural killer cells, which is kind of an autoimmune thing. And I had asked previously about ordering those tests and I was, um, they were kind of, we kind of pushed that to the side because, um, the former doctor did not believe in that. And I said, okay. okay. And so she did. She did, um, we did the blood work in June of 2015 and the normal range 
is about 8.5 and mine came back at 36.3. So mm. finally, our diagnosis was that I had aggressive natural killer cells. So basically any time that, you know, we, the embryo and the sperm met and they tried to make a baby and, you know, implant, my body thought it was foreign and rejected it and um, Mm -hmm. wanted to get rid of it. So that had to have been a little bit of a relief. Like now we have an answer. I, I can't tell you the huge relief that I felt that there, and it's not a huge thing. You can't like Google it and find tons and tons and tons of stuff on it. You know, at least at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, because it was, because there are a lot of doctors that do not believe in it. And she wholeheartedly believes in it. And I, after talking with her and meeting with her and everything we've gone through, I believed it too. And that, um, she likes to treat it and the test to get it done and the treatment isn't that pricey. And so it was like, well, if you're going to test it and you do have it, why not treat it? You know? Yeah. So we thought, okay, awesome. We had two frozen embryos with our previous doctor. We'll bring them over. Everything will be great, you know? And so she always preps you. She's very thorough. We did another saline ultrasound and she saw, an outer uterine fibroid growing. This was new to me. So, um, a two millimeter, it was pushing into my uterus though, from the outside, which I've never even knew. And the bad part of that was that I did need surgery. And after that, it was going to be a six month recovery to do a frozen embryo transfer. So, where that was 2015 we got married in 2011 I was 32 so you know the age is the age clock is ticking yeah. <laughs> that we you know that I've discussed you know but I thought I remember being so upset and so mad that we had to go through that but I'm like get it on the books get it scheduled I never had a surgery I, you know this was all new to me but I had to recover. So your uterus has to recover after that because if not, you get pregnant and your uterus grows, it could rupture. Mm. So that's why you had to have the full six month recovery. Well, that makes sense. Yes. That makes total sense. Well, and I think fibroid tumors are common. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I personally had them you know, for a, for a long yes. time, you know, so they're, I've they're pretty common. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you had the surgery then. Had Got the that surgery scheduled. in August. Yep. August of 15. Um, we had the surgery and then in January next year, so we're in 2016, we finally removed our frozen embryos, um, from the old office to the new office. Mm. So that was an exciting experience. Yeah, progress, progress. <laughs> progress. We're like, yay. Here we go. Um, so she checked me again. She's like, post-surgery, everything seemed great. Um, there was a, a tiny, small outer uterine fibroid, but it wasn't pushing on the uterus. No worries. Um, I did have some polyps, though, in my uterus, which is real easy. She just kind of gives you a little bit of volume. It makes you tired. Scrapes you out. 
I, I'll have to say that's so interesting to show you the pic. It is. It's wild. It's like a, the inside of a pumpkin, you know. I don't know. Like, I don't – it's a weird visual. But, like, they show that, you know, if you're looking and you see snow peaks and they're kind of wavy, it's like she takes her little device and just smooths out that snow so it's all nice and flat and perfect for your this egg that is going to go in there. And so – it's just wild when you see all these pictures of your insides, you know, continuously that you learn a lot of stuff, you learn a lot of things in the, when you're in the infertility world. So, and you, you uh, have definitely learned a lot, a lot. So if anyone needs so, any information, <laughs> Nicole, is your mean, she knows. Absolutely. <laughs> and so finally we're like, okay, we're, everything's done. Let's start our injections. Um, started our injections um i didn't have my pituitary gland checked took medicine for that um got rid of the polyps everything ready to go um she was really she's very like gung-ho when she does her medicine like so was much more aggressive than any other times that i've done ivf and then she gives you you do the intralipids um before you have your um, transfer and then you end up doing interlipids um, when you do become pregnant, you do interlipids again. So we did our first round of interlipids and we're ready to go um, start your progesterone and oil, which anyone that is anyone that has done infertility knows what PIO is, progesterone and oil that goes in the hip and it's mm. the worst injection and they suck, but you gotta have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just a heads up. I feel for you if you have to have those, and for however long you have to have those. Yeah. Um, for sure, because the do it. Those are the worst. Yeah, IVF has not for the faint of heart. I mean, it, it is truly not. But I can tell grueling. you that as many to I, when taking a class in in the middle that you take a class to learn how to give yourself injections, and you think there is zero percent way I'm going to be able to do that. I have done more injections than the man in the moon. Like it, the amount of injections, I, I don't know if I could count. I don't know how many of those red containers I have filled up and, and thrown away. Mm-hmm. Hundreds. Like the, it's well, and it's, when it's time to do it, you do them. You do it wherever, you wherever, do it. wherever you are. <laughs> it needs to be done. Yeah, where I did it at a wedding reception in a bathroom yeah okay so I've done it everywhere <laughs> yeah I've, I've heard women some crazy places where they've done oh, it but you just have to do it you did it we traveled to Vegas I took my kit to Vegas yeah. like I mean we did it so we were ready for our frozen embryo transfer okay. finally and yes in February of 2016 ready all my blood work was perfect ring ring the phone rings and it was about 11 a.m that day and I could hear something wrong in the nurse's voice and she's an amazing nurse and she'd been our nurse the whole time. And she said that the last two embryos that we brought over from the other um, facility, they did not survive the thaw. Mm. So I, that was it. We, that was it. We weren't going to have kids, you know, like that's what I thought. Yeah. I think that's what my husband thought that, you know, we did, this is the big ride. You know, we did it. We did IUIs. We did IBS. We finally found a doctor. We're going to use our last two embryos. And, 
you know, come to find out after the thaw, they weren't that great of quality and they just, they didn't survive. Mm. So much excitement to then come to so much disappointment. Yes, absolutely. We didn't, probably didn't talk about it for a couple weeks. Um, and we had scheduled to meet with her again and just talk about our options. I didn't know what our options were because I thought to myself, we, what options are there going to be? Because we can't afford any other options. Yeah, you, you know, like have exhausted everything. Yeah, basically. And your funds, I, your yourself, your every, just our, my mind, my heart, my soul. Mm-hmm. I poured it all into these infertility treatments and same with my husband, you know, and not to mention the, you know, financial aspect of it, but so we met with her. I went through the list and, you know, in the back of my mind, all I could think of was I can't not do it with this doctor who has finally found something wrong with us. How can we not give it that opportunity? Like we'll take out an emergency credit card. We will use some of our savings and, I know that is crazy to make yourself almost broke to do that, you know? And I thought, but I can't, that's, I can't not be a mom with my husband. I just, that's what I felt that was right, you know? And so I looked at him and I said, if you have to do this with her, and he says, we do, we have to. I mean, we both shook our heads and it was, we knew we had to do a cycle with her, Mm -hmm. you know? A complete cycle with her. Yeah, we would have to harvest eggs again okay. and take all the medicine and the countless injections because I they give me a lot of different kinds of injections. So, yes, we said yes. We'll do it. Ready to proceed. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> well, you're experienced at it now. We're experienced. We're, yeah, totally. So we are, let's see. March, April, May, June, January, February, March, April. April of 16, we start baseline all the ultrasound follicles. 22 follicles were growing in May. 28 follicles were growing just a couple days later. And finally, in May uh, of 16, we retrieved 35 eggs. Holy cow. Thirty. I've never heard you, of that. You are experienced. I've never. In, I knew we had a lot wow. of eggs with the previous doctor, but thirty-five eggs retrieved. But I mean, when they retrieved them, they said you are your ovaries are hyperstimulated. So I needed to have lots of rest and lots of Gatorade, and it felt like I. It's hard to explain how it felt like because all those follicles now are empty fluid filled sacs you know and so you're just you feel sore and full and just it's fairly painful you know and your body has gone through a lot you know to retrieve those eggs was that because she was a doctor that you said was very aggressive aggressive yeah okay but she wanted to make sure I don't think she knew that when she said she was going to be aggressive with me, that my body was going to be extra aggressive. So your, your body, your body's aggressive and she was aggressive. Yes. My body likes to make eggs because a lot of women have low ovarian reserve and I did not, I did not. I always had um, a 
lot of follicles and a lot of eggs. Um, so that part of that was good. Um, so we got the call that 25 had fertilized normally and that they were still growing. 19 looked amazing, um, but that we did have to freeze everything because that I did have ended up having ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, OHSS. Yeah. Um, it can be very common, but, yes. um, and I was and painful and it was painful and I was devastated that we weren't going to get to do a fresh cycle. But, you know, after talking with her and after knowing how my body felt, I'm like, they're like, we can't give you a transfer when you're feeling the way that you do. And no, there was no way. Yeah. Um, well, but you had previously said that they had determined, I guess, I don't know how you said that, that um, frozen, frozen was, were, yes. were doing was better. So. It was. It was becoming way more common. And then yeah. um, a lot of different facilities were kind of going to only doing frozen transfers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if she actually is doing only frozen now or not, but. Um, yeah, she, it's a little easier on your body. I think, you know, that mm-hmm. it gives your t- body time to kind of relax. So, we, so and I, and with that, I would assume the success rate is greater. I, yes. It has to I, be. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. okay. So we did 11 made it to day five and they were frozen and the rest day we we're going to wait and see. And they did. Um, so we did a review at the end of that month and a transfer date was set for July 12th and we got updated that 14 embryos total were ready to go. We were floored and we had two uh, what they call hatching blasts. So they were literally ready to, they're really ready to hatch and attach to a lining. So we had two that were just like stellar. So that was a big thing. Mm-hmm. So we gear up again. Here we okay. go. Finally, July, we're going to do a frozen embryo transfer, which would have been, if you're keeping total, IVF number five for us. Um, we did our intralipids again for the natural killer cells and ultrasound. She always checks you. She's amazing about that. Um, my lining is always great. Um, we had our two beautiful embryos um, transferred on 7-12 of 16 so July is always is going to seem to be a lucky month for us for mm-hmm. transfers. So five days later, which you're not supposed to test, you're supposed to wait to go. Yes, you're supposed for, to wait. <laughs> but any infertility mom knows you're going to go pee on a stick. So, yeah, you I, just can't wait. I mean, and I sat and I watched it and it was so faint, but there it was. And I, oh my goodness. But we, the sad part was, is that we couldn't get excited like we wanted to because we've been down this road, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And down that road. So, um, a couple more positive tests. And then all of a sudden there was a little bit of blood. So that was a little bit worrisome. Mm. But we went in for our betas and they kept going, they kept going. And my tests every day were, brighter and brighter pink and it was sucking the dye from the other side and I was like holy cow we ended up the beta was all the way in 25,000 it was great we thought they both implanted with the high betas that we were having so yeah then um 
all of a sudden I had a huge bleed with mm. clots and tissue. And I thought this is the end of the road again. We're having for sure another miscarriage. Um, mm. And I was at work and I remember leaving and she said, you know, go home immediately, put your feet up, you know, are you cramping? And I wasn't cramping. So I kept thinking there has to be hope. I'm staying hydrated. I have my feet up. I'm talking back and forth with her. And she's like, I'm pretty sure it was a Sunday even or after hours. And she said, I come up, she's going to do an emergency ultrasound for me. Um, So I went up there at five weeks and five days. There was the baby and the heart beating and everything was wonderful and no indication for this bleed, this scary bleed. (laughs) What? Maybe a vanishing twin, but otherwise... I was all was fine in there. There was no blood inside and whatnot, even after all that. And it was, it was wild. That is wild. It was, it was really wild. Wow. Wow. I know that when I've talked to other women who've had IVF that they've bled during IVF or had bleeds. And I don't know if it's just because of what we put our body through and like the medication, whatnot and but it is more common, I feel like, in IVF pregnancies. Okay. Okay. So you're pregnant. Yay! And you made it through what what you were devastated, probably, yeah. with the bleed. Yeah. But awesome. Awesome. Yay! That's exciting. So how long did she stay with you before she switched you? She stays with you for a little bit. So instead of just letting me go, you know, we went in for our first, quote-unquote, big ultrasound, which is another week later. And... So that was really scary because that was actual second ultrasound to see a heartbeat. And mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. there he was, heartbeat, great. And, you know, I kind of counted up and I'm like, we prayed for 1,746 days for that moment to, to get there. Like, I, when I look back on that, I'm like, what a long journey to finally make it to another ultrasound where like this is finally like past all the other bad times that we made it to that one you know yeah and then we so we stuck with her for another couple because she's really good she wants to kind of keep you make sure yeah about um a little over eight weeks perfect heart rate was great and then at nine weeks um and about five days we had an ultrasound and i'm like oh my gosh i didn't know I didn't know babies move when they're that little and mm. around in there like a little, I called it my wiggly little ninja, like he <laughs> around and he looked like a little snowman. And I just remember having that picture and watching him move and watching this little, this little baby move around in there. And it was, I could, I just I can't believe it. I can't, wow. my husband couldn't believe it. And it was just, the most wonderful after all this time and such joy such joy. oh my gosh heartache and just oh i just couldn't even i can't put it into words you know yeah oh my gosh that's amazing 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 <laughs> so no problem through the pregnancy oh. the rest of the pregnancy they sent me to the OBGYN who is also absolutely amazing, but a completely different person. And okay. every aspect is he is hilarious. Love him. Um, but he was 
super diligent because he knew that I was a complete spaz, you know, after going through all this. Sure. Um, Rightfully so. Right. Um, then I had to get all the testing, though, because I was now advanced maternal age. So oh, yeah, you were. The big stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. So nine, what is that? September of 16, All we got the call that uh, I was super healthy. I just needed the rubella shot, I guess, after the baby was born. And that's, I guess, common. And then mm-hmm. had no chromosomal abnormalities and signs of birth defects, nothing. And then they could tell you the sex. Mm. Yeah. And we wanted to know, but we were going to surprise everyone else. And she said, do you want to know? And I said, I do. And she said, it's a boy. And I ran in to tell my husband because he was the only boy in the family and his mom had only had grandchildren that were girls and his mom and dad. And then my mom had no grandchildren. So here we are with our first boy. Oh, <laughs> well, and after all of those, uh, the struggles, was your family uh, aware of all that you had been through? Uh, they went, they went through every single thing with us. Um, okay. Even tried tried to kind of surprise them with the pregnancy news with um our son even though it was hard we were just kind of like scrolling through my phone talking about something and then I scrolled up and a pregnancy test came up and said you know we're pregnant and stuff so (laughs) hard because they had been you know that's the only that's one sad thing about infertility you never get the the surprise fun pregnancy that you know you get to announced to you know your friends and your family with all those fun ways that you see and and sure here that all my clients and my friends on Facebook that that are my clients as well they were you know they're waiting to scroll through and see a new post that says that I finally am you know and I'm trying to be quiet about it so <laughs> as long as I could you know I waited till sure. right almost 12 weeks when I finally announced that we were and then um, we had a gender reveal party with our family and friends. Fun. And had a great, Fun. an amazing pregnancy. It's like my body was meant to be pregnant. Like I, it was, it, I couldn't have asked for a better pregnancy. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you needed to have a, an easy pregnancy yeah. after going through all of that for sure. So, and we, but I did have to have a scheduled C-section because of the previous, um, I had that outer uterine surgery. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah once yeah. you have that, you cannot have a vaginal birth. You have to have a C-section. So, okay. Yeah. So we scheduled, um, 39 weeks. I think it was, um, to have him exactly at 39 weeks. Awesome. So we welcomed our son, um, on three twenty-three of 17, March 23rd. Wow. Congratulations. Just per. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So much you went through to finally have that little boy. I bet that was, oh my gosh, just such a joyous day. It it was amazing. It was, I, I still can't believe it. I still can't believe when I look him now and I took him into bed, you know, he's three and a half and I'm like, look at this kid. Like I, I, 
you don't know how much I went through for you, buddy, just to have you here on this earth with us. And he was everything that we had ever dreamed of, you know, and he's always been such a great kid and a, a great baby. That's awesome. Awesome. So I know there's more to the story and I know there was still a lot of embryos because your body is an overachiever. (laughs) So tell us what happened next. So we got, you know, Bane's getting a little bit, had been getting a little bit older and um, we were discussing all of a sudden I'm like, well, we need to talk about this before I get, you know, any older. We decided to try for a brother or a sister, uh, you know, again, you know, we knew the formula we were hoping that it would work with her um Mm -hmm. and let's see he was born march of 2017 so about february of 2018 started um some birth control you have to start birth control which is really wild um and we did uh a little another which she went inside and kind of did a little scraping got rid of some polyps again apparently i make polyps Mm. Um, started our meds again, um, ready to go. We're going to do another frozen transfer with her. So he, we thought that he, I never had a sibling, so I was an only child. And then my husband has a sister. So, you know, uh, he thought it would be great. We did. He always wanted to, I always wanted one, maybe two, you know, so, mm-hmm. but we were going to do it no matter what, you know, we had these wonderful embryos. So, um, the, final blood work um we had done and then we were getting ready to do the transfer and in april of 17 they canceled it immediate i had immediate drop a huge drop in estrogen now this has never happened in any of my ivf cycles which is super wild um so i was a little little taken back by that a little devastated because i said you know i was gonna do this one time and i'm not gonna do it to myself again it was too much on my body. It, I went through years mm-hmm. of it. You know, I should be happy. We have a son. And I said, well, I didn't technically get to the transfer stage. So, and that's when I said, if I transferred and it didn't work, that I wasn't going to do it again. So I was like, and once you pay for a frozen embryo transfer and they, they cancel it, luckily it's still paid for. So basically you're just paying for the medicine again, which don't get me wrong, the medicine. Yeah. Not cheap by any means, but you are not paying for the frozen transfer again, which is helpful. Mm-hmm. So it was a couple months later, we started on medicine again. Um, so ready for our another July transfer. <laughs> so last- oh, yeah. Lucky July. <laughs> so last time we transferred <sighs> on July of 12th, and now we're transferring on July 16th to perfect embryos in fact so perfect that when she came in to talk to us she said these are two of the most perfect embryos i've ever like implanted and they're really look really good we kept almost the wink wink eye like what does that mean (laughs) like what do you think and my husband and i looked at each other after she left the room like did she just say what i think she said like they're probably both gonna take and i'm like but when mm-hmm. has my body ever taken both of them? You know, like we've been down this road. 
you know, That's why true. would we falter? Why would we change the formula at all? Like the, we just, that was what we've always done, you know, through all this. So mm-hmm. we transferred. Um, of course I checked, you know, big fat positive there seven <laughs> days later, <laughs> but of course you did, <laughs> but there goes, I had some bleeding and I had some cramping this time. Um, so we were a little concerned about that. Um, but my first beta was great. And then my second beta and we finally, when we were heading in for our ultrasound just the week prior, I was sick, super sick. And I was not sick really with Bane, but I was sick. I knew mm. that, you know, my body was making something. And she said, well, this is why you're so sick. There are two babies. <laughs> She knew. She knew. I think she knew before she gave us that ultrasound. It was. I. She probably wanted to put the ultrasound on me and say, "I told you so." But no, very professional. She wouldn't she, do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so two, two babies. babies after all of this infertility struggle and this whirlwind years of. Oh my goodness! And we have the son at home and. I, even though we both knew it was possible, I think we were still both pretty stunned, you know, like shocked. I, bet. I remember getting in the car and my husband was like, we got to redo the basement. You know, we, all this, like <laughs> he's just going to town and I'm like, calm down, calm down. And I called my mom and she said, how the ultrasound go? And I said, well, I hope you always wanted three grandkids. No, you're kidding me. And I said, I'm not kidding you. So. <laughs> yes yes everyone got the call to all the family and my husband immediately was like all hands on deck when those kids are born and you know just give, oh my gosh <laughs> giving yeah. everybody a hard time but they I ha- also had a great pregnancy with the girls once I got over being sick the sick part was pretty tough I'm not gonna lie so two girls two girls yes so, <laughs> yeah I guess I should back up to the that's okay. <laughs> I caught it. We did I caught a little it. reveal at the house with um, my uh, someone that's a cake maker who's kind of helped us out through a, a few things. They sent um, the instead of us finding out this time and then telling our family, we had them send the results to her via email. So she knew before I did. Oh, that was crazy. So we cut the first cake and it was, I've never been so nervous in all my life and I don't know why, but we cut that first cake and it was pink and it was so exciting. And then we cut the next cake and I didn't quite see and we had to cut a little bit more and it was pink again. And it was so exciting. And I just still kept my mic. I can't believe we're having two girls. I cannot believe we're... I thought, well, I'll probably just have two more boys. I know it's like to have a boy. They're amazing. You know, or mm-hmm. I'll have a boy and a girl and it'll feel, I don't know how that would be, you know, because I'm going to have an older boy and a younger boy. It's just, you know, and I'm like, but for sure it could <laughs> be two girls, you know. <laughs> sure is. Oh. So pregnancy and everything pregnancy. was good. No yeah, problems. We got right to the end, though, like towards the end, and I started having the, you know, some hypertension, you know, high blood pressure. So my feet were falling and mm-hmm. uh they admire you really closely with twins not to mention you know i'm really geriatric by that point you know 
yes you are old having twins it's like (laughs) crazy but you know you get to hear them and see them like every single week and then every few days you know Mm -hmm. um so we went in and he had scheduled me for a c-section 38 weeks i was gonna go 38 solid weeks which is really good and at seven Yeah. yeah at 37 weeks um we went in and he's like, I'm going to send you down to the women's center and do a little checkout. And he did. And he thought that he might do it that day. And I just lost my mind. I didn't get to say goodbye to my son at daycare. And I'm not, I don't have my bag packed and all this. And he's like, okay, well then we're doing it two days later. And I'm like, two days later, March 12th, that is our anniversary, our wedding anniversary. So <laughs> let me tell you about March. Not only is it our wedding anniversary and different family members birthdays and my son's birthday my husband's birthday now our twins are going to be born on uh, march madness to the max yeah absolutely <laughs> so those two awesome. came into this world um I, and they came into this world right before for all the craziness this year, correct? Yes, it was because they're they're insane. still little. They came, both of them were perfect size: five pounds, twelve ounces; five pounds, fourteen ounces. And then we had just started hearing about COVID and Corona. You know, I kind of just pushed it to the wayside, and we went home on a Sunday. And that Monday, they put us in quarantine. Mm-hmm. It was really wild. So I was quarantined at my house. My son wasn't allowed to go to school or daycare. Two newborns. Yeah. I'm working. I'm not working. And then our family members were coming in and out only because they lived right by us and they were quarantined too. No work. So thankful for them. Yeah. My mom could spend the night. My niece could come over in the morning our other family members you know grandmas and aunts you know helping us daily thank goodness for them after they listen to this we love you you guys (laughs) thank you family for being so kind and wonderful to us and for all the support you know we had you know little drive-by gifts and you know calls and text messages it got really tough really fast because you're so secluded you know and that's just, sure. you know, yeah. I've always lived, you know, my life, you know, with around my friends and family and I was going to have everyone come over and be able to see the girls. And that's just not how it went, you know, so it, that part of it was hard for sure. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. So for those that haven't been able to keep track right. <laughs> of everything you went through, IUIs. Um, IVS, surgeries, surgeries. how many years? Um, give us, give us a, um, eight years, a tally, eight years. So technically, well, we would say nine. So yeah, from 32, well, eight years to 39. Yeah. I had my girls at 39 turned 40. Yeah. I turned 40 when I was pregnant with the girls. So. Wow. Yeah. It it was not what I thought my 30s Quite. marriage, you don't think, oh, love and marriage and then you're going to be infertile that you just 
don't think that and don't get me wrong like it sounds like that's all we did our entire <laughs> beginning of marriage but we you know I, we spent time together and went on trips still and had a we have a wonderful marriage I have a wonderful husband and partner in life and but you know if you can make it through these tough times and fertility and you know I I feel like we can make it through anything so well, you're right. You're right. But there are many times that um, marriages yeah, don't make it. Absolutely. You know, um, it, it can it can make or break. Huge. You know, and I a marriage absolutely. Or relationship. And I've known that you know relationships that still go through it, and you think that's they'll keep the bond strong, and that doesn't that doesn't mean that two people are going to stay together necessarily because yeah. they did. You know, I've yeah. I've had people in that that aspect too, in that side of it. You know, it is, it's a hard yeah. strain on a marriage and it's hard on a woman and it's hard on the man too, you know, absolutely. 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 So we're going to conclude. I'm going to um, mention this because we will have to have you back on again. There are still frozen embryos and we're going to talk about that on another yes. podcast of, of what's going to happen right. with them. If you've decided, or it's that's a, a tough very, decision, very tough decision that we're still not we're, there yet. We're, yeah. Um, but I want to conclude with letting you share anything else that you want to share about your journey. Um, if there's something that we, we missed. Um, and then also any advice, words of encouragement for the right. listeners. Um, I know I, you know, our story, I went through a lot of just the logistics, the rundown of, and not a lot of, not everyone that starts an infertility journey goes through multiple IUIs and IVFs and everything. And I mean, that was a lot to swallow. I know our story is a lot to swallow and it's hard to just hear it too this way. You know, I love to be able to sit down and talk to people and, you know, years of being around people, they've just been on the journey with us. So it's a different kind of feeling. Um, but I think the number one thing that I can give advice wise is to find support and find someone you can talk to. I know that so many people do have to kind of keep it quiet or, um, for certain reasons, or they're scared to reach out to someone. I can't tell you how many people did reach out to me when I did start talking about infertility, that they have experienced infertility or miscarriage because it is so common or didn't know who to talk to or what doctor to seek. And I think it is so incredibly important, even, or if you need to just seek out a counselor on your own, you know, and you don't want to make your journey public, um, you need it. You need that. You need someone to talk to about it because it is so hard on you mentally and physically, emotionally. I just, that's probably my number one piece of advice is support, you know, support. And, you know, I hope I can help someone even if it's just me talking, telling my crazy long infertility story, I hope someone, <laughs> you know, even if they don't reach out to me, they log on to resolve or they look for a local, they're just in the first steps or they're deep into it. Any of those, because it's all 
hard. Those, all those journeys, you know, I can look back and if someone was like, well, mine's not as, you know, sad as yours or as hard as yours or, and I'm like, that's your journey. Just like my journey was my journey. Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, when someone's having a bad day or, you know, their bad days, because they'll be like, oh, yours is so much worse. I'm like, that's your bad day. And it's what hurts you, you know, in your heart, you know, so never compare yourself Mm -hmm. to anyone else. You know, there's no magic. Go out and adopt, go out and have IVF, go out and have IUI. There's no magic, you know, solution. You know, people have to become, you know, decide that they're going to be childless in life as well. You know, they're, I just think either way, whatever way you have to find support for those branches of infertility, you know, really. Yes. Great advice. Thank you. Great advice. And I think everybody, I'll just reiterate that. Yeah. Find the support. You know, if we can help you with finding that support, if we can be your support, we're, we're here. We're both here for, for if anyone needs it. Um, And I think the other thing that um, with your story is finding the right doctor. You know, it seemed like once you, from telling your story, you knew when you had finally found the right doctor and, and, and then were, you know, she was able to help you really, she was the reason that you have your children for sure. She's an angel. And like, even in all of that, even when I was seeing my other doctor, I went and got another opinion. So we will say that I saw four different doctors and she was my fourth Mm -hmm. and I will say final, um, doctor and yeah you have to find the right fit if you don't feel like it's the right fit it you don't have to stay there you know just because someone said it was oh they're a great place or you know this my friend liked no you go with what makes you feel comfortable and you know yes and you have to decide with your partner how far you can go mentally and financially and all of those things you know if you know it's it's going to be, it's going to be a tough road and I can't say my road wasn't literally the toughest thing that we have ever gone through, but I now would not change it because I wouldn't be where I am. You know, I wouldn't have my three beautiful children that are literally the sun and the moon and the stars for us. They are amazing children. I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky. After all of this, all this, very blessed. very blessed after all of this to be where I am today. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, you wouldn't change a thing. It has brought you to where you are to yes, have such a beautiful absolutely. family. So, well, I, again, thank you so much, you know, Nicole, for sharing your story. You're it was, very welcome. It's a long one. <laughs> it it's, uh, it, it was a, it was a long, long journey for you. I'm so, so excited for you to have thank such a beautiful family. Um, and, um, if anyone, like Nicole said, if, if you need to be connected to her, yes. reach out, um, Thank so you thank so you much again. for talking to me and thanks everyone to listening. And, you know, I just, if I could give you a, a big hug out there that whoever's listening, I would, I would right now. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Teresa. Alrighty. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again, Nicole for spending time with me today. 
for sharing your story, for all that you went through, the losses, the tests, the procedures, the surgeries, the IUIs, the IVFs, the list goes on and on of things that you endured, but so worth it for having the family that you desired. I know that your story has inspired others and is encouraging to others. Thank you again, and thank you listeners for taking the time today to listen to Nicole's story. Like I said, I'm sure she inspired and encouraged you. Did you learn something from her story? Wow, I did. Can you think of one person that this podcast could help, that it could inspire them, encourage them, give them hope to continue on their journey to have the family that they so desire? If you can take some time to uh, subscribe, to the podcast give us a review so we know how we can improve that would be so helpful also take some time and join us on our facebook page women connect and support where we can connect and reach out to you if you need other ways to get in contact with me sure send me an email at teresa t-e-r-e-s-a dot women connect 2019 at gmail.com And I want you, as always, to know that you are not alone on this journey, that we are here to connect with you and give you support through whatever struggle you're going through to have that family that you so desire. If you would love to share your story, because reach out to me because we know that sharing a story is very, very powerful and will always inspire others and give them hope. So if you would, reach out. I would love for you to be a guest.